Happy Pentecost Sunday. You heard that already? Thank you. Thank you so much. So I think the Lord lined this up because Penn wrote these books many years ago, but actually got it out in print. I just got one in my hand this morning. This was released today. We didn't mean to just like bring them out on Pentecost Sunday, but I also had this word in my heart for a couple of weeks, and I didn't realize until just yesterday it's Pentecost Sunday. So we got things lined up. This is a wonderful book if you have questions about the Holy Spirit. I had many questions, and uh, I just started reading the book of Acts, and there's lots of, lots of good stuff there, but Penn goes really in-depth in this book, so pick it up in the lobby if you'd like to. Um, did you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know that? We already talked about it a couple times. He wants to live inside of you. He does live inside of you. So I am going to, uh, we're just going to go to Jude. I'm just going to get started with what I want to share with you. Jude 1, 20 to 21. If you want to put that up on the board. And then we'll talk a little bit of background overview of the book of Jude. But you, beloved... Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude, the one who wrote this book, he's actually the brother of Jesus, but he doesn't like he doesn't lay a claim to fame that, hey, I'm important. Jesus is my brother. He says, I'm the brother of James, but we know from Mark 6 and some genealogy that this is actually the brother of Jesus. He calls himself a slave to Christ. I thought that's beautiful humility. Because at one time, Jesus of family, didn't they call him insane? Say he, he lost his mind. Something happened in the process. Here he says, I'm a slave to Christ. And it's his own blood brother. <clears throat> then he writes, this is to those who are called and sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. If you've felt Jesus speaking to your heart and you've said, yes, I choose to follow you, you're called by God. Did you know that? You're called by God. God doesn't want to just stop with your salvation, though. There's a process called your sanctification. He wants to have you he wants you to be sanctified. Sanctify means to be different, to be set apart. There's a quote by Bill Johnson that I heard that always stood out to me. It says, God doesn't save you just to get you to heaven. He wants to get heaven inside of you. I think Karen touched on some of that already this morning. He wants heaven to get inside of you. That's what sanctification, that's, that's what happens in that process. He actually doesn't want you just to get inside of the gates of heaven. He wants your life here to be changed. So if there's peace in heaven, there can be peace in your heart. If there's joy in heaven, there is. There can be joy in your heart. That's, that's what happens in the process. So sanctification isn't just to make you... I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's to get heaven inside of you. You're... you're Sanctification means different. You're not different just to be different. You're actually 
difference so you can make a difference. Anybody want to make a difference? Yeah. <clears throat> I know I do. I know I do. So he goes on. So if you read the book of Jude, it's really a lot of warning about false teaching. A lot of warning, hey, look, there's people coming in. They're trying to deceive you. And here's the kind of lives they live. Because often people's lives betray them. So he said, listen, they're going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be immoral. They're going to be, he gives, he gives a whole list of it. Complainers. <clears throat> he goes down the list. He says, this is, this is the kind of lives they live. They come in among you. And they're going to try to deceive you. But he says, contend earnestly for the faith that was delivered to you. Contend means you're supposed to do battle. Are you doing battle for some area of the faith? <laughs> Are you doing battle, Tim? Yeah. He wants you to. He wants you to win. Because he says, this faith that you have, the faith that was delivered to you, it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And then he goes on and he transitions and he says, here, I'm giving you some instruction now. And it's really the, the you know, the mo more foundational verses in the entire book of Jude. He transitions to, in verse 20. Can you hold your finger up in front of you like this, your pointer finger? Because this includes everybody in the room. <laughs> okay, now turn that thing around right at your nose. This is how the verse starts. But you. Say, but you. <laughs> you. This means you, Caleb. This means you, Tim. Okay? Everybody. But you. Build yourself up. Build yourself up. That's your instruction. Build yourself up in your faith. Build yourself up in your faith. The word build, it's a construction word. It actually means to rise like an edifice or a cathedral. You could say a skyscraper. <laughs> Your faith is actually supposed to be something strong, something that's not just pushed over by the slightest wind that comes against you. That's on you to build yourself up. Sure, the Lord empowers you, but he's going to give us instruction here. Karen mentioned this also, but Matthew, Matthew 5, I think it is, it says, let your light shine before men that can be see your good works and glorify your God, which is in heaven. People are supposed to see your faith. I think it's exciting that he says, build yourself up in your faith. And it actually means to rise like a cathedral. And you're the temple of God. <clears throat> First Corinthians. So, here's one thing I thought of. I'm supposed to build myself up in my faith, but sometimes I can get very distracted looking at what the enemy's building. Have you ever... Had that happened to you? Oh, my goodness. Look at that. What are his plans going on? Oh, man, look at, look at the world around us. Look at our culture. What's happening? And sometimes you can get distracted away from your purpose. And it pulls your eyes away and causes a discouragement to fall over yourself. Did you ever have that happen to you? I thought of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a purpose. His purpose, rebuild walls, provide strength and safety for Jerusalem. And there was an enemy that wanted to stop him. They wanted to just run in and out of their lives whenever they wanted. So they'd send messages to Nehemiah and say, hey, come. Come, would you meet with us? We want to talk about this. And you should stop. You shouldn't do that anymore. 
Nehemiah pretty much, in other words, said, there is nothing that's going to take me away from my purpose. Nothing's going to move me. My purpose is to build. Even if you fight me, I'll have a sword strapped to my side. I'll have a shield on my back, but I'm going to continue laying block. That speaks to me. That speaks to me. I, I need a build. You need to build yourself up in your most holy faith. I met a couple of atheists this week, just going about normal life, got into conversations with them. And then just randomly came across another article that was talking about how so many millennials now are just, they, you know, they just have no, no knowledge of God. They, they just would, they would see themselves as an atheist. Different things stack up. I was driving past a church that I know was active at one time. Now the grass in the yard is that high. There's weeds in the parking lot. There's for sale signs. All of it. You look around and you think, what's happening? What's happening? Did you ever have this kind of feeling? Am I the only one? No, no, what's happening in this world? Looking at the enemy's plans. Don't let him distract you. One of the atheists that I talked to, he actually works at, works at a church, <laughs> puts in time. He said, I'm a Christian, but I'm an atheist. Now I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I wasn't quite sure how that works. <laughs> but he said, I don't see God as creator. I believe in science. I believe in science as well, but God is creator. Thank you. Anyway, God is the creator. Don't, don't let those things discourage you. Because here, if, if, if you feel discouraged by looking at the culture around you, there's a couple verses in the Bible that speak to that. Do you know what they are? Let me just read a couple for you real quick. Isaiah 9, 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Do you hear that? Of the increase. Ever since Jesus, the kingdom of God is growing. Whether you see that with your physical eyes or not. Whether it feels like that in your culture or not. Of the increase of his kingdom and government, there's, there's no end. There's another story in Daniel 2. The king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. In the dream he saw the kingdoms of the world represented in a statue. Remember this? There's a rock cut out of a mountain. Not cut out by hands, not cut out by human hands. He makes special um, attention to that detail. And he says the rock came rolling down and hit the statue, hit every kingdom in the world. They shattered, went to nothing. But the rock, and he, he says that it's the kingdom of God. He says that rock grew into a mountain that filled the entire earth, filled the entire thing. That's what's happening. That is the day we live in. Whether you see that with your physical eyes or not, it's a spiritual reality that I believe. <clears throat> so don't get distracted by the, what the enemy's building. Continue to build your own faith. And how do you build? How do you build? Right here. By praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, 
isn't limited to just praying in tongues, okay? It's not limited to that. It's also your, your earthly language, your known language that you use. <clears throat> just one second. Have you ever had, have you ever had a moment where you were inspired? Inspired to pray for something or someone. All of a sudden, somebody came to your mind and you knew, I got to pray for this person. If you prayed that way, you were praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Sometime long later, you hear maybe the rest of the story. And they're like, they were in a crisis point and suddenly something happened. I think that's beautiful. Has that ever happened to you? You've heard stories? That's praying in the Holy Spirit. Why would God, why would God work in this triangular way where over here there's a need? So he sees that need. He directs you a thousand miles away to pray to him for this person. Why does God do that? He's almighty, right? Did you ever ask yourself that? Because Jesus says in Matthew, I think in Matthew 6, God already knows what you need before you pray. So pray in this way. Why does he do that? Because if I think, if I'm almighty, if I can do anything, I'll just do it. Yet somehow he wants to, he wants to partner with you. Like he actually wants to become your partner. He wants to hold your hand. God, in, in another sense, he's saying so much Authority has been given to you as a believer in Jesus. So much authority has been given to you. That if it comes out of your mouth. I have something to work with. I, I can release supernatural power into your situation into that person's situation. I can release angels to assist you. It comes out of your mouth. Are you guys alive? I, I actually believe this stuff, guys. <laughs> All right. What is the second way to build yourself? The second way to build yourself is you pray in tongues. Okay? And I'm not ashamed of this fact a single bit. I don't care if it makes you feel uncomfortable. It's in the Bible, and we're going to read the verses directed straight to it. Because I have felt and experienced the power of this in my life. And I know there's parts of the church that don't agree with this, but we're going to go through the scripture and look at it. And I'm going to talk to several different groups of people about this subject. And the first one is you, you, you already speak in tongues or you have prayed in tongues in the past. Maybe you just set it away and don't use it. Here's what I want to encourage you. Don't treat this gift of God. You know, God actually started the church with this sign. It's in Acts 2, Pentecost. God, it might not make sense to our understanding, but that doesn't stop God. I'd say stop treating this gift from God like some weird relative, like some weird uncle that you're kind of ashamed of, a little bit embarrassed, and I'm just going to tuck this away, and I'm not going to like have any connection with this. I've been a little, there's been people that, I don't say mocked me, but they made fun of they made fun of it. In my life, anything that's happened in the past year, you know what? 
It's emboldened me. It's like, oh, the fight is on. If you don't know that there's a spiritual battle happening, you got to wake up, okay? And so I, I just believe <laughs> that we got to be bold. we got to be bold, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, praying in tongues is direct communication from my spirit. And this is 1 Corinthians 14. I'm paraphrasing about it. It's direct communication from my spirit to God's spirit. And it's not held back by any limitation of my earthly language. There'll be times that I'm praying for a situation. I don't know how to pray. Like, I don't feel like I know what the will of God is in this situation. I'll just begin to pray in tongues. And I can know that through me, he's, he's praying the will of God. That this is the will of God, what I'm praying So we're just going to go through a couple more uh, scriptures about this. First off, praying in tongues was so normal in the early church, so natural that Paul actually dedicates an entire chapter. First Corinthians 14 dedicates an entire chapter telling you, here's how you use it. Here's how you don't use it. OK, because they were just running the thing. Just they, they were speaking in tongues all the time. And people were saying, hey, you guys are crazy. He's saying, this isn't edifying anybody. This is edifying yourself. He does say um, in, in, in the chapter that if you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. The word edify means to be a house builder. There's a building that's happening inside of you when you pray in tongues. Jude says the same thing here in, in the, the chapter that we're reading. It says that you're built up in your faith. Later in the chapter, verse 17, Paul says that you give thanks well. In verse 2, Paul says that you speak mysteries in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 talks about prayer and supplication in the Spirit as being part of the armor of God. Paul said, chapter 14, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. And I just listed eight biblical reasons for praying in the Spirit. And I didn't even add my own reasons. I, I try to make it a habit to pray in the Spirit every day. And when I do, I feel, I, I feel energized. I feel, I feel a confidence come on me. I feel strengthened. I feel encouraged. And if I am actually communicating to the heart of God, that should be how I feel, right? 2nd group of people I want to talk to just real quick is you've heard about tongues. Maybe you've been prayed for, but you've never experienced that yet. Nothing's happened. That was my experience. I know what that feels like. And I just want to tell you a little bit of my story very quickly. My journey with the Holy Spirit started with me seeing my own lack, my own need in my own life. I felt like I had no power to give. I felt a lack of boldness in my life. 
and I started reading. I started reading the book of Acts and I read stories about Peter and I'd see Peter who was so ashamed of Jesus. He hung out with Jesus for three years, yet in Jesus' most vulnerable moment, there's this young girl that came up to Peter and said, hey, are you with Jesus? And he said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not with him. He was afraid of getting in trouble. And then I see Peter right after the day of Pentecost. I see the power that's released in his life because he stands in front of 3,000 people and preaches the gospel with such boldness. And he says, Jesus is a real deal, guys. Get on board. This is what's happening. It says 3,000 people come into the kingdom. That day, the church has started. That's what happened in Peter's life. Stephen is another one filled with the Holy Spirit. He had preached boldly. And the Holy Spirit isn't in your life just for you to preach. The Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. He wants to help you teach your kids. He wants to help you every single day in your school. He wants to help you make decisions. There's a reason he's called the helper. But I saw my own lack, my own need. And that hunger, that desire led me and my wife to travel down to Baltimore. That's where we actually first met Penn. <laughs> Some, at a camp meeting down the middle of the city. Baltimore folks. And I met Phil and Myron and Austin and Mike and several others there for the first time. My wife and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed our lives. That's why it's so important for me. It's so important for me to talk about because it's changed my life. And if you'll allow him to, if you'll set some of the fears to the side. Because I had those same fears. I was told, you know what? Just stay away from all that stuff. Just don't even get close. How do you know that you're not talking to the devil when you do that? I had all of those things said to me. Jesus is the one that said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Would you as a father give your child a snake when he asks for bread? That's Jesus heart. I found the verse to be true. Those that hunger and thirst will be filled. The worst way that you can approach this is if God Wants me to have this, I guess he can find me. That's the worst way to approach this. That's a spiritual lethargy. Paul says to be earnestly pursue the spiritual gifts. I believe if that's your heart. See, the Lord had to root out some selfishness and pride in my own heart. I wanted I want it to prove other people wrong. I want it to prove people that I got the real deal. So I, I pray in tongues. The Lord isn't obligated to f satisfy your selfishness in any kind of way. Or prop up your pride. He won't do that. And so when it came to actually having a pure heart, pure motives, in the mo most unceremonious way, we're just having prayer. And all of a sudden, I felt inside of myself, oh, that sounds like what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It was so natural. I didn't I almost recognize it. 
I'm going to have to keep moving. I learned, uh, I learned something listening to a youth pastor, and he was talking about how he evangelizes the young people in his area. He would just take kids off the street. They didn't know anything about the Lord. He'd bring them together, and they'd start, they'd start uh, you know, getting to know each other. And he said, you know, oftentimes they're not open to having a spiritual experience just when they're sitting in that little cluster, in that little circle at our church. But he said, if I can get them out and if I can get them on a hike in the woods, if we can go and do life together for a little bit, and then we'll share the gospel with them. He said, all the times their hearts are so open. Sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to get outside of just what you're comfortable with. Maybe you got to go on a mission trip. Maybe you got to go somewhere and experience something. I remember being in the middle of India and laying on my bed in the morning and If you hear believers from around the world pray, sometimes it'll just awaken something in your heart, a hunger. It was like, it was just so getting light. And I remember hearing prayers coming from all over the house. We're in a big, like a mission house, an orphanage. And suddenly you hear the pastor and his wife, and they're praying. They're praying in the spirit. And then from different rooms around the house, people join in, chime in. And then like 40, 50 kids start singing that lived on the second floor. And I'm like, you know, like what is happening right now? It's almost like you could feel the atmosphere of heaven swirling all around you. And it exposed me to a different level of hunger. Sometimes you need that. Expose yourself to something you're not comfortable with all the time. Francis Chan is a pastor that I know that many of you would recognize the name. And I think he's just a beautiful brother, beautiful testimony of God's redemption in his life. And he came from a background that wouldn't teach anything about the supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit. And I've watched his testimony for years, but I remember like seven, eight years ago, he got invited to a place called IHOP. It's a 24-hour house of worship and prayer. And it immediately got him marked on all the watchdog websites that, hey, he's getting, he's getting, you know, he's getting outside of a place where we're comfortable with. Well, he went and met these people who, they're charismatic. They, they believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They live that way. And I, I remember watching him say, I don't know. These people love Jesus. I always heard they were deceived. I always heard these people were so wrong. They love Jesus. And I just watched another video of him within the past couple of months. He was talking at a Bible college and he was saying, he said, I know you guys don't believe in this stuff, but I just have to be honest. He said, I was just in Africa. And he said, we would walk through the villages. I didn't grow up believing this stuff, but Everybody that I laid my hands on their head, he said, every single person was instantly healed. He said, that doesn't make sense to my understanding. I heard this stuff wasn't real. He said, I just have to be honest with all of you. He got outside of that, his little circle, what he was comfortable with, and suddenly he discovered there's more. 
There's more to be had. There's more to be had. The kingdom of God is alive and growing. Okay, the uh, third group of people that I want to just want to talk to real quick is you don't believe any of this. You don't believe any of it. You've been told it's wrong. You've been told stay away from it. You've been told that it's the gifts all ended when the apostles died. And I just want to say, yeah, I understand. I was there too. I've heard entire sermons directly saying the opposite of everything that I'm saying right here. I've, I've, I've sat and listened to sermons that are completely against everything that I'm saying. I think you need to expose your heart to truth. Allow the word of God. Just like take, take verses and, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look at those. The thing about the gifts dying, I didn't realize that that was that hung, the foundation of that hung on a single line, a single line in a verse, that when the perfect has come, the gift, you know, things will cease. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it hung on that. They, they see that as being the word of God. But I'd just say everything that I've said to the previous two groups. I, if you just don't believe it, I have family members, I have acquaintances, people that I know that didn't believe any of this, that when they expose their heart to the truth, they have now come into the exact same experience that I've had. They pray in the Spirit themselves. I think there's power in it, and I believe in it. That's why I feel passionately about it. I feel passionately about it. Okay, we're going to do, we got just a few more minutes left. I want to do a couple more building verses. Remember, we're talking about building your faith. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as, in fact, you are doing. Encourage one another and build each other up. So, Ben, do you mind standing up? I'm going to encourage you. This is not prophetic in any kind of way, okay? So, this is what encouragement looks like. I think you're an incredible young man, full of integrity, with a heart after God and he loves you that's it the Bible just says that I built him up <laughs> it's that easy you can sit down it's that easy didn't have to be prophetic but it was a building block in his life if we could just do that with each other we build each other up the second one Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are you noticing something here? What are your building tools? How do you build? It's your words. It's the stuff in your mouth. That's how you build. Third one, Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk your lives in him, rooted and build up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is one of the ways 
that you can be built up in your faith. We're going to close with Jude 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Why don't you stand for this? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. It feels like a little bit of an odd way to say, keep yourself in the love, because can you go? I see the love of God shining at you. It's a lot like the sun. You can't, it, it's, it's there. It's shining towards you. But when I choose to walk in sin, when I choose to live in shame, it's like I just put a, a blanket over my head. I put, I put a pillow over my head. I can't feel the effects anymore. I'm not keeping myself in the love of God. So I want to walk free of sin. I want to walk free of shame. I want to keep myself in the love of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we had together. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room and those watching, we would know what it is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be directed by you. Lord, we want to live a life that's bold. We don't want to live a life that's just subject to the whims of the world. Father, I pray that we would experience such an intimacy with you. We would walk with you every day, Lord, and I pray that we would also keep ourselves in the love of God. Every person here choose to walk in this way. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.